Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we explore one of my favorite topics in Buddhism, which is the Toku children. So in pop culture, Toku children are commonly referred to as star seeds, indigos, crystals, and a variety of different names. However, in Buddhism, they have been around since our ancient past. You know them. Yeshua ben Yosef was one of them. Um, and we have a very wonderful history of teaching these Toku children how to use their skills and live the best life they possibly can in this incarnation. So they are old high vibe souls directly from source, from other planets and dimensions much higher in consciousness than Earth currently is at. And their mission is simply to raise consciousness while having an enjoyable life doing it. So interestingly enough, there seems to be an influx of them incarnating to, at this time. So we're going to explore uh, what's going on with Sherry Dipan. So Sherry, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, so I wanted, before we kind of get into your work and our lively discussion about um, parenting these children and um, all the different adventures that come with them, I wanted to share a video that I took over the weekend, and it's my daughter dancing underneath a double rainbow. And the reason why I wanted to share this, because in Buddhism, a double rainbow is an auspicious symbol of turning of the tides, of something positive coming through. So, uh, and my daughter loves rainbows. And um, so let me share this video really quick. And this is right in front of our home. Okay. So do you see the, the video? Yeah, I see it. Okay, so I'm just going to, it's a quick 10 second, and you see the double rainbow right here, you guys, it is so beautiful, and we live in a convergence zone, where a lot of the weather comes through first, through the San Juan Islands, and Whidbey Island, and so forth, um, and then goes right through, through the sound into Seattle, so we get all the anomalous weather first, and what typically happens is you get Aside from the, the orcas and the dolphins, uh, orcas and the whales coming through and the seals, 
you also get these beautiful rainbows that come through very often. And I just walk out my front door and I see them. But this one really just um, was so beautiful. I couldn't stop it, but, but sit there and drink my morning coffee with it. So here it is. <laughs> There's my daughter down there dancing. Ah. Wow, look at that. Wow. And there it is. And just for you, just for you guys, you're like, I blinked and I missed it. I'm gonna do one more time for you guys, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. So I had so much, so I wanted to share that because, um, Double rainbows are auspicious and it's auspicious times in which we are gifted with so many of these Tokyo children. So now let's talk about what they are and what they bring. So uh, before we dig into your work, Sherry, can you tell us your story for how you got into this work in the first place? Because this is not the normal career path for most people. <laughs> no, it's not. And my story is is unique, just like most people's. And um, I, you know, I've always, I'm an only child. We moved around a lot. And so I was always really in tune with animals. Um, they were my best friends. I would communicate with them. And um, so naturally I wanted to be a veterinarian. And so that was my career path. I was going to work with animals. So I went in high school, got my first job working at a vet hospital. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I have a really good work ethic. So when I'm interested in something, like I'm very focused, very driven, very motivated. So I was even going on my days off. I was volunteering on, on the days off just because I wanted to like, you know, immerse myself in, in the field. Um, and I ended up really loving nursing actually. Mm -hmm. It was not the veterinary medicine that interested me so much. It was the nursing, the caring of the animals um, that the nurses got to do, which in the veterinary field, that's called a, a veterinary technician. And so um, it's essentially the same thing. So I ended up doing that and I um, worked in the veterinary field as a, as a registered nurse for, um, I mean, going on, if I'm still counting now, 20 years almost, um, and I loved it. I worked in the intensive care setting for a really long time. That was my passion. I worked in general practice, exotics, and then I worked at the zoo for the last 10 years uh, in, near my area because I wanted to work with the exotic animals. I'm really mm. obsessed with elephants and wildlife, and so I wanted to be close to them, and so I did that for a long time. So throughout the path of working with animals, I discovered energy healing and I was never interested in doing energy healing, not even for myself. It was for, I wanted to learn for the animals because I worked mm. with animals in such a critical, uh, they were just in bad shape in the ICU and surgeries and all sorts of things. And I thought there has to be a, a, a way we can help them aside from all of this that we're already doing. And I really looked into energy medicine. So mm. I learned Reiki for animals and I did it on animals for a long time. I had a side business. I had clients and worked with pets and went to their house. And it wasn't until I started having my own children. Um, my mm. first came really young when I was young. And so I would have to say it inspired me, but really it wasn't until I started having the other children that when I was a little bit older that I said, you know, people really need this uh, more than just like, not, not more than the animals, but just yeah. as much. 
and my children were the ones that made me think about outside of the animals and what what the world needs what does the world need right now people really need to understand that about energy and vibration and frequency and emotions and all and how it ties into your wellness and and so i started slowly branching out and working with uh with people and then um I really became passionate about it. I worked with, um, I did, I learned on hip, transpersonal hypnotherapy, mm. I did hypnobirthing. So I taught women how to have um, a more peaceful, calm birth using self-hypnosis. So I did that. So mm. I was kind of like dabbling all over the place, all the while still doing the veterinary uh, medicine. And then at one point I really decided I was done with the veterinary medicine. I kind of, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I was getting kind of burnt out and I really just wanted to focus on people and so I so slowly started transitioning and started working with clients. And it was that point that I started working with parents mm -hmm. and they would always uh, talk to me about their children and, and the amazing things that their children were doing or the gifts that they had. Um, like or, what, like what, what was uh, the common things you were hearing from your the, clients? The, back then. So this was, you know, uh, six years ago. So it was more, more along the lines of, I know my child is spiritually gifted. I don't know why, but they're, they're very special there. They have a heightened sense of awareness. When they look at me and anyone in the room, I feel like they're looking through me. They're so intelligent, mm. they're so smart. Um, they're just, they knew something was special about them. And of course, all parents say, I know that everyone says their child is special, but I'm telling you, my child really is different than any mm -hmm. child I've ever seen. And I started seeing it over and over with a lot of different people. I started then working with the children and then I noticed my own children and, and how unique they all were individually different. And they were all very, like very different. And so then I started channeling throughout that period. I was channeling my guides. Mm -hmm. And did you learn, did you learn, cause, cause you learned the Rike um, and then the, the various hypnosis modalities mm -hmm. for energy healing and connectionness to consciousness, but then your the channeling, did, did that just come naturally to you one day or did you like, learn it from different um pictures of that modality yeah no i'm self-taught i i okay. was i was motivated and i said i'm putting the intention out there and i and i did meditation and did certain mm -hmm. things and i found out surprisingly it came really easy and i started getting all of these downloads and i started writing down messages and it was really beautiful and and inspiring because i would get so many beautiful messages and uh they told me that i would be working with children it was really important then the cool thing is, so at that point, I had two kids, one was seven years apart, two boys. And I knew I always wanted a third, but it wasn't, it was kind of like, you know, floating out there somewhere. And it wasn't really at the front of my mind. And this beautiful soul came to me at the, as she introduced herself as Layla. And she said, I'm going to, I'm your daughter. I will mm -hmm. be born within the next year. Um, I'm going to teach and guide you. I am part of the rainbow children. She explained to me what that was. She explained to me, I've learned so much from her. She explained to me what each one of the other two boys I had and the different types of children and they, how they tie in with Dolores Cannon's um, three waves of volunteers and how these new earth children are special and, and she told me exactly what she was here to do. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and I channeled her when I got pregnant every single week throughout my entire pregnancy. I channeled a message from her and what was relevant at the time for me to know. And it wasn't just information for myself. It was about humanity. 
about ascension and where we're moving and a higher frequency, higher density, all of those things. And so she taught me a lot of things. So I think it was a combination of parents coming to me for help and guidance through their sessions. And then my own children that really encouraged me to focus on, on the kids. And that's kind of how it led to that. Mm. So we'll, we'll get into the topic of the new earth children. So, um, which is new, new earth is a pop culture. It was popularized by um, author Dolores Cannon um, and other authors as well, but it's basically like a higher frequency earth. So um, who are the new earth children in your understanding from your background? Yeah, and you're right. The, the terms, you know, you can call them a lot of different things. And Dolores mm -hmm. kind of got us going with the, they're, they're the third wave. Mm -hmm. They're the new earth children. Um, and really what that means and how I identify them as are high vibrational, very evolved souls, many of which have never been here. They're mm -hmm. first timers. They came to this earth to anchor us in into a higher frequency as we evolve and we have and we go through this ascension or this great awakening. They come here from their different planets, star systems where they come from with their master level knowledge of whatever it is that they're here to contribute in our in, in our evolution mm -hmm. and i'm here most oftentimes knowing exactly what they're here to do and these children are fifth sixth seventh sometimes ninth density uh, beings some of which don't even have physical bodies where they came from so they actually mm -hmm. had to train in certain places like arcturus and pleiades and places like that to even understand what it's like to have a body again and what earth, like almost like earth school to prepare them. Mm -hmm. So new earth children, you know, you know, people get confused because they're not special or unique in the sense that they're better than anybody else here. They're just here equipped with a very specific important job to do to help us through this ascension. But they're, they've been coming for hundreds, if not longer, thousands, thousands of years. Thousands of years. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is that world, the earth population and the collective consciousness hasn't been ready for them until this exact moment. So this has been mm -hmm. in generations of time of, of, of preparation and evolution so that the light workers before them that perhaps are me and you and others that have had many other lives kind of building up to this point, then these kids come in and they are just, I, I keep using the word anchor because that's what I've been told. They really are the ones that will shift paradigms, break things down, open up our hearts, remind us about compassion, love, kindness, all of that. And they will anchor us in into fifth density and higher so that we can evolve. Well, let me ask you something. Fifth density and higher, is it out there or is it in your consciousness? I think it depends on your perspective and your and your perception of it, right? I think it has an actual physical physical, but then there's also your evolution and your consciousness and where what what frequency are you in, where where are you, what are you resonating at? What's your vibration? So it's individual, and then there's a collective uh, a collective consciousness, and that contributes to our physicality, and and when we're in that third density, a lower vibration, where we have a lot of the population that's not awake yet, and and not keen to a lot of all, all of this. And this perhaps may even trigger some of them that they, they don't understand yet, but they will. Um, you know, that's that's a third density construct. It's lower vibrational. It's based out of fear, power, you know, struggle, all the lower vibrational emotions. When you go up to higher frequencies where earth actually started out in fifth density eons ago before everything, everything shifted, 
we were never meant to be in that third density construct. So we're going back into that fifth density physicality as the consciousness is, if that's, if that's how you say it, evolve collectively. So it's kind of the combination of the two. Yeah, so this, so these, these esoteric concepts could get used um, and confused by a lot of people who listen to them, who learn about them, and they get manipulated into um, 3D issues, world issues, or whatever the agenda or the motivation is. Um, how, how can parents raise these children with discernment and boundaries so that they are not manipulated or misused? Yeah, that's a really great For question. certain political agendas, social agendas, whatever, because source has no opinion on what decisions you make as part of your life lesson that yours to have exactly. but these children are still children mm -hmm. so how do adults raise these children and have them as part of life without um painting them with their 3d issues <laughs> i guess that's the way i would say it you know, yeah, I mean, and that's the million dollar question. And I don't know that there's one straightforward answer, but there's a lot of different things and a lot of different ways you can come at that. You know, we are still in a very third density uh, environment that's low vibrational. There's a lot of political agendas and we have all the social media and a lot of these programmings, uh, programming and manipulation happening that is infiltrating our children's mind, which is what is is frustrating. So when we have children that are watching TikTok and playing video games, it's all the, the agenda is to disconnect them from their higher self, to disconnect them from Mother Earth. We have been trained and programmed to not connect with our higher self, not to go outside, not to uh, seek answers and, and ground yourself and how to do that. So um, the more spiritually aware and centered the parents are and grounded, then they can teach their children to be more grounded, more centered, more balanced. And the way they do that is to teach them discernment, to teach them to connect to their higher self, to teach them to, to be who they are and not conform to what their society is telling them is, is, is the popular thing at the time. Um, but genuinely giving them the space to be themselves. And that's the problem. But here lies right. the, the conundrum because, you know, previous generations, parents were taught, or I'm sorry, they were raised that you need to be a little good little girl, good little boy, listen, talk when, speak when, when spoken to. And, and they, when they needed to fit them in this exact box, because that's the box they were placed in and that's the mm -hmm. box their parents were placed in and so on. And so they are not allowing these children to be themselves. And part of New Earth children, part of their process is to come here and break down those boxes and shift the paradigms and break everything down because they are different and they don't fit in those boxes and they know it. And so they, they articulate it and some of it comes across as stubborn, um, you know, headstrong, uh, t having temper tantrums, they're angry. Mm -hmm or older generations perceive them to be brats or whatever the label you want to call mm -hmm. them. And, you know, there's a delicate balance there because part of the reason they're doing that is because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed mm -hmm. to shift our thinking. They're supposed to make you uncomfortable. So you rethink certain things because you've been programmed your whole life doesn't mean that it's right. So they're coming in, encouraging parents and other people and teachers and friends and society to go outside of themselves and figure out what it is that really brings them joy, what brings them happiness, not because you're told, but because right. you 
find it yourself. And so these children are trying to um, encourage that, but it's really difficult because when I work with these kids, uh, and I shouldn't use the word kids, when I work with these children, the biggest frustration they have, you know, from the ages of newborn and six or seven years old, because right. I communicate with a lot of them telepathically, as I'm sure you do as well. Um, and they're meaning they speak with their higher self to get the true essence of what it is that they're trying to uh, articulate, mm -hmm. what they want to say, because they can't do that as babies or one-year-olds. They don't have the words to articulate it. And they say that they recognize the density and how uncomfortable it is to be in a body, but they're used to instant manifestation where they're from. They're used to being able to just mm -hmm. uh, teleport, telekinesis, all of that is, is, has almost like been taken from them. Mm -hmm. And then they're put in this dense third density, heavy physical body that they're not used to in an environment full of, of emotions that they've never experienced themselves of, you know, the lower vibration of fear, anger, worry, sadness, those emotions they're not used to. So they really are fish out of water and they struggle in those early years because they're trying to adapt and they're uncomfortable. And a lot of them will tell me, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. Yeah. I changed my mind. I want to go back. And, you know, of course, that's kind of the initial reaction. But as we talk through it and we recognize, well, th th this was the journey, you know, mm -hmm. how can we help you uh, adapt and, and things like that, then there are tools we can provide for them to help their transition um, process to be a little bit more easy for them. And that's where the parents come in because it's, it's vital for the parents to be on board and understand and recognize why their children are acting certain ways or why they're struggling or why they don't fit in with other kids or why they're not playing with other with toys. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit weird, you know, in, in, in the eyes of other people, there's a reason for it. And then maybe perhaps just taking a moment, stepping back and saying, okay, wait, there's a reason and understanding. We need to learn to understand our kids because they're not all one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I have three, completely different children that act differently, that require me to talk to them differently. I have to punish differently I, in a way that the way I talk to them, it has to right. be. And the only reason I know how to do that is because I have been, you know, and this is a journey. Okay. So I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I do yell at mm -hmm. my kids here and there, like it's, 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 it's an ongoing journey, but I've had to learn to watch and observe my children on how they react to things that I do or the punishments I give or how I mm. speak to them. And then I realized that they're completely different. And if yeah. and you can't just assume that it's one size fits all. And it's, it's a lot of work for a lot of parents and parents are tired and frustrated and yeah. their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, personally, I've never really had any problems having full conversations with these children. Um, I have not met a child that actually is autistic, Asperger's, ADHD, or anything else, whatever they're labeled at, because when I talk to them, they talk to me just fine. They have full conversations with me. The doctors wonder how, or the parents wonder how, and I'm like, what's the problem with this kid? I don't understand it. He's having a conversation with me just fine. However, many others have. So they are labeled as ADHD, Asperger's, autistic, you name it, and then they are prescribed whatever they're prescribed medically for the ailment in which they've been um, di diagnosed as. So I'm not a medical doctor, but um, if, this is, if these are the um, ailments that they are struggling with, um, then it should go across the board to everybody. But sometimes, many times, these children talk to the people they want to talk to and nobody else. 
for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure if it's a wavelength thing or anything else. Um, like my, uh, my nephew, he only talks to, has conversations with me and his grandfather on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And then maybe he might, he's learned over the years and maybe talk a little bit, but most of the part, he just is in his own little world. But, but because of that, they, you know, they want to label. So, you know, why are so many labeled with these? What have you found? Why yeah. are they labeled with these um, titles? And yeah, no, that's a really great question. And and we unfortunately we live in a in a world where you know if something doesn't fit, then they have to create a box for it so they could check the box and put people in categories and things like that. And so um, I uh, and I'm not a doctor e- as either. And so I offer an energetic perspective. And the reason I know what I know is because I've worked with so many children that mm-hmm. are ADHD, autistic, Asperger's, uh, and they've told me the stuff that I know is because they have told me this is what's mm-hmm. going on with me. And I and I started kind of documenting it. And I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense to me. And so um the perspective I have is, is there, is their, um, their actual journey. And so to me, it boils down to the, I'm sorry, the way I could explain it the most is it boils down to vibration and their mm-hmm. is a huge aspect of it. So let's take ADHD, for instance, ADHD children that are labeled that, of course, they're not there. There is no such thing as ADHD, but that's what they're called because they need to come up with some terminology for their behavior. Right. But okay. they, are hyperactive. Okay. Let's start with that. The reason is because let's say these fifth, sixth, seventh, ninth density beings um, are coming into this, into this physical body, their vibration is so, so uh, vast and, 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 um, and it fluctuates and it shifts by, by the moment. So they are rapid firing in their brain processing continuously, and they are right. Most of the time they're right brain thinkers. Mm -hmm. You cannot so you cannot, they're very creative. They need, they, they are thinking about five, six, seven things at a time. You cannot get them to focus on one thing. So in traditional schools, when these children are made to sit still and in these terribly lit uh, uh, classrooms with the fluorescent lighting and they're placed with a bunch of other children that are, that are sitting still. So they already feel uncomfortable. Right. And they have to focus on what a teacher is saying. So they're listening, but then they're thinking about 10 other things. And then the, the, they fidget because they can't sit still because they have so much energy. They need to move around. They're mm-hmm. rapid firing in their brains. And so then they get lost with what the teacher is saying because they veered off to something else. And then they shut down and because they uh, haven't, they can't catch up because the teachers right. are. And then the teacher perceives the child and calls them out in front of the class as being disruptive, not listening. And it's really their um, inability to focus in um in in a for a long for long periods right. of and they're very right brain so asperger's let's say that let's give that an example for that asperger's are generally star children so not star seed star seed is a over term a generalized term of uh um souls that are not from earth mm-hmm. that come here and so the stars are a category. Again, we're categorizing them loosely, not to label them, but just to explain that a majority of those that fit in this category, which are star, are um, very left brain. They're highly intelligent. Those are the ones that come from like Andromeda, Arcturus, Sirius B, Sirius A, who are 
higher density and they are the ones that come here that are innovators, event inventors. Uh, they're the ones that are breaking down all the paradigms and rebuilding them in a, in, a, in a better way. So they have advanced knowledge of technology, all the things that are thousands of years ahead of what we have currently. And so they're very focused, they're very introverted, they're very quiet. They don't particularly like childish type of games or activities. They don't fit in with other kids. Um, they're uncomfortable with a lot of different people because mm -hmm. they read their energy. Um, and so they are labeled as, uh, as Asperger's and, and it's almost like it's a bad thing, but these children are so hyper intelligent for, for a good reason, because they have a very, uh, important mission to do here. Right. Um, and so they, but they just don't fit in. That's the pro that's their issue. It's not a problem. That's just their issue. So question with that. So as a, as a parent and as, you know, obviously an adult in society with these children, obviously you're going to have to teach them how to read and they're going to need to learn the basic fundamentals, which takes time to sit there and learn the process to learn how to read or to do basic mathematics, you know, basic skills. So um, how does, how do people help them to focus on the lessons so that they get the basics so they can use that to create whatever invention they want to create down the road when they become older, um, you know, create um, innovative solutions when they get older, they're going to need the basics. So how do you teach these children who um, may struggle with focus to learn the basics in school? Because they're going to need to learn them. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point. Well, and I just want to point out that those that have that are labeled Asperger's, generally don't have an issue with that they are very they're they're hyper focused so they do just fine in school if anything they become bored because they're mm -hmm. not challenged enough so those are the children that either need to, to skip grades or when i work one-on-one -on -one, a lot of them tell me they need they need to be um uh, what's the word um stimulated stimulated outside of school. So, you know, give them math, math to do if they, if they're the ones that enjoy math, you know, give them math, or if they really love to read books, give them more advanced books, put them in science camp, put them in space mm -hmm. camp, if you can afford it, of course, but they need to be stimulated. And when they're not, they become bored and then they, they start to act out. So Asperger's right. tend to be very intelligent and very focused. The ones that have ADHD, that they have the issue with focusing because of their high vibration and they're not able to center and balance themselves and focus like the Asperger's because Asperger's are children are more left brain, ADHD are more right brain, more creative. So what are some of the activities that you would do with somebody who has a child who has quote, quote, ADHD or just hyper uh, non-focused? I mean, do you just give them a lot of art projects so they, or yeah. meditation, a lot of exercise in the woods, something just kind of like, exactly. you know, Exactly. So, they, the energy so they could focus. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So you, depending on their creativity and what their interests are, give them craft crafts. They need, they, they need, it's, it's more about creativity. Do not give them a coloring book where they have to color within the lines. They have to be creative. They need to have craft projects or things that are multi-layered where it's, where they're using yeah. their imagination, they're painting, they're drawing, uh, they're making clay projects. So that's the art. And then not, not all of them are in, yeah. in so we can take them out of the art. And then the, those are the ones that really are, are really into sports where they mm -hmm. run around and they do really well and they do well because they're active, they're outside, they're running around. Um, and so it's about finding what it is that stimulates them differently than the Asperger's. But these guys tend to need to be more movement involved. So the Asperger's need more movement or the ADHD? Sorry, ADHD need more. They need more, more movement. Yeah. 
so okay. that you can't expect them to sit still for a long period of time and work on a project. They need to take breaks, which is why, you know, um, my, my, uh, one of my kids struggled with, with, with school initially, and I put him in, um, uh, Montessori school initially, because mm -hmm. I felt that it was the most, um, kind of collaborative, uh, with children's development than anything mm -hmm. I've Seen. And I feel like we, we're, well, things are changing with the school systems and, and that's a whole nother thing, but mm -hmm. it allows children at their developmental level to work with, within certain confines of, of what they are need to learn. And then they take breaks and then they go and do something else. And then they go outside and then they come back and they eat a snack. So they're allowed, they're giving them the ability to learn in shorter periods of time. And then they take breaks, they have movement, they use their creative energy. So the issue with our education system is that it's it, again just like with the parenting it's not mm -hmm. one size fits all and we need to create a system where the curriculum is more um uh, more uh, what's the word i'm trying to come up with um specific to their interests yeah exactly mm -hmm. like it's catered to what they need and how they learn and not just one size fits all and right that's right where I see things moving to, but right now, unfortunately, we haven't gotten there yet. But a lot of these schools are popping up all over the place. Right. Um, that are that are, and you know who it is? They're, they're the parents uh, that are um, that have these children, and nobody can provide for them what they need, and so they open. They're opening up their own thing, or teachers who don't like the current education system, and they agree with what I'm saying and what many are saying that these kids need to be. Uh, taught differently and and the structure needs to shift and so they go out and they start to open their own thing right right you know th that sounds like we actually have like a high school here in Seattle um not in the city of Seattle but in one of the suburbs called Foster High School and um and and, and basically I'm not sure if they still do this now but a long time ago they would let the students organize their curriculum around the vocation or around the the topic they're interested in so if they wanted to learn computer programming and really get good at that for example um they would cater their whole high school experience around those type of courses if they wanted to learn how to do engineering then um then they would design whole curriculums around just engineering. And of course, there'll be some elements of mathematics and English because you're going to need that to do whatever it is you decide to do. But, um, you know, what, what it has done is by the time that the, the child graduates high school, they practically have a career underneath their belt. Mm -hmm. Okay, they like spent most of their high school years learning a career. And then when they're done, they're pretty much ready to expedite what they have been practicing. And so you have a lot that opened up their own mechanic shop out of high school or in college. You have a lot that decided to go into entrepreneurship and start uh, e-commerce ventures, et cetera. And that's why a lot of these are um, much younger, young entrepreneurs, because they didn't just pick it up naturally. They focus so much on their interests um, when they were young adults in high school and middle school most of their life, that by the time they got out of it, they have basically been, have become a subject matter expert in that thing that they really like to focus on. And so is that what you're like also kind of um, encouraging people to go to is to find their focus area and then just take it all the way? Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, I've been shown this by these, by a lot of these children through the, through, through our sessions where they'll show me in Andromeda what their school looked like, how it was outside, how they were taught. They, and they would, would group these kids exactly how you're saying in the areas that interest them. And then they would learn that with their peers that were interested in the same thing, and then they would grow together. So, you know, the foundation is important. So our elementary school, let's say, should mm -hmm. be focused more on the basics, you know, math, writing, English, reading, those types of things. Because like you said, it's fundamental, it's very important. But then mm -hmm. they should also be learning what the ascension is, how to meditate, how to, uh, how to calm yourself down through different modalities of tapping and um, mindful breathing and yoga. Mm -hmm. So all of the things that we are talking about now as a, as adults, and I'm teaching parents how to do, and some now children are learning, these are things that are, should be taught in, in the classroom as well. So that mm -hmm. by the time they're in middle school and high school, then they go in and they kind of have an idea of what they're interested in. And then they start to go down this, these pathways mm -hmm. where they are kind of, like you said, just groomed for uh, what it is that they're interested in. And, and colleges, uh, I see shifting to more trade schools. So yeah. I don't, I don't see these large universities being around much longer. Um, how mm. long? I don't know. Cause time is very it's relevant relative right now, mm. and the, the timelines keep shifting, but mm. well, let's just say the end point that I see and that, and I've also been shown is there will be no more four-year degrees. Like you, like you said, they'll come out of high school and they'll already have a lot. And if they want more, then they're going to go to a two-year program or a one-year program or a nine-month program, whatever. And mechanics or electrical vehicles further develop career development paths exactly. yeah okay. none of this wasting two years on 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 prerequisites and things that we know the kids don't care about and it's just a waste mm -hmm. of money and time for everybody mm -hmm. uh that's all going going away and i honestly feel like if it's not free it will be very reasonably priced so that anybody can afford to go so we're not yeah. cutting out all the people that don't that can't afford it or don't you know they're, they don't want to be coming out of school with all this debt, it won't, it won't be an issue anymore. And so they'll really get yeah. to focus on what they want to do or even schools on how to be an entrepreneur. Do you yeah. want to open your own business? Let me teach you. Let me guide you on how to do that. So then when they finish their, their, their I don't even want to say graduate when they finish whatever it is that, that their, their, their classes, they know exactly how to do it. And then they go off and they do their own thing. They become their own bosses, right. you know? Yeah. So it's really more results focused education exactly not mm, just gonna go in and try to figure out how i'm gonna figure out what to do with myself <laughs> and hopefully i land on something that works which exactly. is typically what it used to be but it's really more results focused you know um so let me give you an, an example of uh because we're going we're, we're getting into the common traits that you found in these i call them toku which is basically a buddhist word for all high vibe <laughs> yeah everything above <laughs> so um but the parent Okay, so I'm a parent. My daughter that you saw in the in the video is very, very artistic. She knows how to read. She knows how to do some basic math. She's in kindergarten, um, you know, and, and there was a lot of focus, tutoring, just to make sure that she learns the basics, but she learned the basics. But we do let her um, and give her a lot of opportunities to make arts, art. And she does, she creates 3D art out of, construction paper <laughs> with the, the, the pop-up person and then all the stuff that goes along with it. So she creates a whole pop-up city out of construction paper and she draws every little details. 
And so because she loves that so much, I uh, sourced out a 3D printer so that she can make her pop-up community out of a 3D printer. Okay. That's <laughs> She's in kindergarten. So, um, um, so anyways, but you know, we're, we're, we're learning. And um, as she goes further into it, if she's still interested, then we'll, we'll look at ways to kind of further foster that creativity. Uh, we do not give her any instructions. She asks, we ask for help. We give her some ideas, but for the most part, she comes up with it on her own. And it's not just like, I'm going to set up a little um, movie with some of my, some of my uh, teddy bears. We, we, we come downstairs and we see literally her iPad is the, is, the theater and all the tables have been moved and all the chairs are now this big amphitheater and there's every single one has a toy on it with a snack so now <laughs> she's sitting in the middle in in like the living room has been converted into this theater with like all the chairs and so it's like it's not a small thing it's a big production so uh i'm just giving you an idea of the scale in which the creativity is off the charts so um not that everybody can go and just go get a 3D printer for their kindergartner, but um, how can parents who notice these phenomenons, okay, how can they um, kind of foster these traits and kind of help them to find a focus, whatever it is, and just kind of drive that focus home so that by the time they become adults, um, you know, they are are doing what they wanted to do and they're successful in doing it instead of spinning the wheels like we typically do we spin our wheels trying to figure out what to do with ourselves yeah. so since they're so highly focused you know so well, yeah. can you talk about the parents um yeah yeah um i, I mean the biggest thing um uh, the the two biggest things is one um exposure you know exposing them to different things to find out what it is that they like and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money you don't need a a 3D printer is amazing. I wish I had one, but uh, you know, if you don't have one, then there are other things that you can do. Um, you know, encouraging them and then and and just being supportive and, and allowing them that the creative the creative freedom mm. to then if they find something that they like. You know, my daughter is the most creative person and like constantly she wants to take all the art supplies out and I I I give her everything she needs whatever she wants construction paper glue color pencils crayons watercolor paint regular paint i mean whatever mm -hmm. it is that she needs and you know a lot of this stuff is not that expensive you could get it at you know the cheaper yeah. store um and i just i provide her the materials and she is happy with just sitting there and cutting things and taping things and creating yeah. things and that's her thing. And so what I do for her is I just allow her the freedom to do it as much as possible. Better that than being on the iPad all day, you know, so uh, allowing her the freedom, creative freedom to do that, encouraging it and supporting it. But, you know, not all kids are into crafts. My son is like, meh, you know, he'll, he'll play with, uh, he'll join her for about five minutes and then he loses interest really quickly. Yeah, yeah. my son's like that too. <laughs> yeah. So he does much better doing other activities. You know, he wants to be outside. He wants to do other stuff. He wants to jump on the trampoline. He wants to go in the swimming pool. You know, he's much more um, earthbound. He wants to be outside. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's go outside. So the idea is just allowing them to figure out what it is that they like. Some kids, mm -hmm. you know, I, I went to the park the other day with my kids and this little girl was my daughter's age. She was uh, six years old. And this girl mm -hmm. was reading a book that had to have been fifth grade level Mm -hmm. chapter book I mean I was just impressed and she was at the park reading her book 
And her mom kept yelling at her saying, you put the book down, all you, you read too much, all you do is read, play. And this poor girl would I kept having to put her book down and she, you could tell she was struggling. She did not understand, like she didn't want to play outside. She was uncomfortable playing with the other kids. So she kind of just like walked around looking at the floor. And I felt so bad for this girl because I was like, let her read her books. You know, if you want her to have outside time, then have her read outside under the tree. So she's mm -hmm. still outside, you know, and if you want her to get exercise then create a family exercise much later on that she's comfortable yeah. with, she's yeah. not with a bunch of strangers. So it's all about just, uh, just um, being observant. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. watching your kids and, and figuring out what they like and then trying to adapt yourself to it instead of trying to make your children adapt to what you want right. them to do well you know in that specific situation with that daughter the, that mother daughter maybe the daughter had a little bit of anxiety making new friends that, that was you part think of it. that maybe she just needs some talk tracks on how to say hi my name is blah 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 can we play and yep. maybe a little role play or something. Um, oftentimes, what I've noticed with um, with of all children is that in case unless they've already had experience doing something before, they just don't have the talk tracks and they don't have the know how on how to navigate certain situations that are unfamiliar to them. And this is how we all learn. You know, we we learn through trial and error. We learn through rejection, all that kind of stuff. But some of these. Um, some some children they just if you just role play with them different scenarios and you give them ideas um, that's all they need and they're like okay I think I'm ready to go and then maybe they're not so scared of going and playing with other children that they're not familiar with yeah. you know that could be the, the situation there as well for why she just buries herself in the book um engaging book as well but that could also be something that maybe uh, these parents could explore is role play yeah absolutely trial yeah. and error right try instead of you know like find out what's going on you know ask them when it's in, a, in an environment that's safe so you don't want to ask them at the park when they're already embarrassed and they're already like feeling anxiety and shutting down that's not the time to find out what's going on so maybe later on in bath time or dinner time you know when they're in their safe zone then you mm -hmm. ask them you know what happened at the park today do you, you know because a lot of them it has nothing to do with uh, being shy, they genuinely don't, I mean, this sounds terrible, but I've talked to kids where they said, I don't really like other kids, not because they have mm -hmm. any, they just, they're like, I don't, I don't want to play. I don't play. I, I want to go and do puzzles by myself or, you know, like they genuinely don't actually want to play with other kids. Those happen to be more of the extreme introverts or the Asperger children. Mm -hmm. They don't relate or the autistic children because they don't relate. Um, but, but in, your, your point is, is correct though. You don't know, unless you try to figure out what's going on instead of making them do something that they're uncomfortable with. Yeah. 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 I, um, when I, you know, when I talked to some of the children in my family who d didn't speak until four or o older, um, not that they didn't know how to read or do math, <laughs> they're doing division by the time they were three or four. So, um, especially some of the boys. But oftentimes it's, it's just not knowing what to say. So, you know, just stop and say, okay, show me, show me. Then they will walk you over and they will show you because they don't have the words to express because there's so much going on. They don't have the words to express what they're trying to convey. Yeah. So instead of expressing what they're trying to convey, um, sometimes I've found that some of these, especially like boys who are a little slow on the linguistics, 
um, they get a little bit aggravated, a little angry, little outbursts because they don't know how to express what they are trying to say because there's so much going on in their mind, but they don't know how to deliver the communication to you. So a really simple thing I always tell parents is show me, just show me. Mm-hmm. And then you will be shown and then you will understand. Yeah. And understand in that level. You know, um, can you tell us more about the Divinely Guided Children Intuitive Wellness Center for Spiritual and Holistic Healing that you um, founded? Yeah. So it, starting with Intuitive Wellness Center, that's my uh, first uh, business that I created outside of the animals that was that that I still uh, work out of, which is more um, focused on adults and healing past I, I do one-on-ones energy healings that are mm-hmm. you know working through past life traumas karma contract cell memory negative energy cords all of those things so i'm helping the adults work through their their past life stuff but also the current life traumas and anxieties mm-hmm. depression pain all of that um and and i teach a lot of uh, i teach a lot i i really love to teach um, and then divinely guided children is something that I've been planning, which my daughter told me I would be doing when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. that I would be make, I would create a children's center. Um, and I could visualize it. She showed it to me exactly what it looked like. That's not what I would, I have now. Cause it was more outdoors. I think that's kind of still manifesting in the future. Um, but the idea was there. And so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do it much sooner, but because of everything that happened with the pandemic, I waited an extra year. And then December of this past year, I woke up one morning and I, and I was, I, my guides were just like, I was half asleep and they were like, it's time to get the children's center going right now. Like, like it was a sense of urgency. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I had a million questions. How, how do I, you know, how am I going to do this? And how, how am I going to get teachers? I had a million mm-hmm. questions that mm-hmm. just at a time, get the domain. So, I, you know, then we'll make the website then do. And I did, I just took one step at a time mm-hmm. and it was crazy because within a three week period, no, 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 no exaggeration. I had a website. I had 12 teachers on board. Mm-hmm. I was already advertising. I mean, it was incredible. All these amazing people started walking into my life saying, I want to support this. Uh, how can I help? And I want to teach. And so the divinely guided children um, website or the center is geared for these new earth ch- children to have a place uh, to have a voice Mm-hmm. to have a place to explore, to learn, to grow, to be supported. Um, and then I realized, gosh, at the same time, I need to also make sure I provide opportunity for the parents to also yeah. learn. Cause I can't teach, I don't want their children coming home knowing how to do Reiki. And then their parents have no idea what it is. Or so mm-hmm. then I'm, I do tandem teaching where I teach the parents yeah. the same thing the kids are learning. And now it's this beautiful kind of cultivation of, of, um, you know, a family, family, mm-hmm. learning, you know, with a spiritual guidance kind of to it, um, that really has grown more, uh, inter- not, um, more outside of my state than in my state. Like I've gotten mm-hmm. so interest from people all over the country and all over the world that it, it became overwhelming for a while back in, you know, the springtime where they, I have, said, you, they have you working lady. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been very, working, you know, and I love it though. Like I, I, sometimes I can't believe that, that this is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I can support my family and I can work with these amazing kids or these amazing people to help them heal, you know? And, and yeah. so there, there are two similar uh, businesses. They're both healing centers, but what, they're just um, guided. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, healing centers, healing centers is the beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's been going out for the last decade. Healing centers, healing centers, teach healing centers and consciousness. Um, but what kind of energy healing and consciousness teachings are you off? Is your staff offering? Can you kind of list out some of the ones that people can look forward to learning? Yeah. So okay. So with regard to the staff and the teachers, uh, they're the ones. So I have a lot of great teachers that are teaching tarot cards to kids, um, crystals, crystal, um, and crystal gridding and basic mm-hmm. crystal intuitive eating, um, all sorts of amazing th- art, you know, I'm not, ar- I'm not artistic at all. So I have great art- artists and that teach th- these children different um, methods of art to channel their creative energy and things like right. that. Music teachers that do uh, sound healing, sound baths, things like that. And so I focus more on um, the one-on-one energy healing. And then there are certain classes that I'll do. Like I like to teach into uh, Reiki to the children. Mm-hmm, to- mm-hmm. And they pick it up like that. Uh, And then spiritual stuff, you know, tapping. What does it mean to be spiritual? What are guides? What are angels? What are, what, what does it mean to have a physical body and a metaphysical body? So like, those are the things that I teach more of Mm -hmm. for the adults. um, You name it. I mean, but my passion right now is to teach healing. So Mm -hmm. I, the two books I have now are more guidebooks, but the third book I'm writing right now is a, um, is, is, is a how-to. How, to. how mm-hmm. I want everybody out that's watching this or everybody in the world to be able to heal themselves so that they don't need somebody like myself. And yeah, I know that's, the, that's the goal. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah, and I know I'm not the only one. There, there's thousands of books out there on how to do Reiki mm-hmm. and things like this. It's just my, it's just my perspective and my methods, right? So I'm teaching, mm-hmm. writing a book on how to do the timeline healing and merging, how to clear your, and how to cut energetic cords, how to recognize your vibrational fluctuations and how to ground yourself and all of these really cool things. Right. And I started um, doing um, courses on it. So I teach, you know, four week courses. On- Are they online too? Are you recording them and then people can purchase them online and learn on their own or they all just live uh, so i have so i have a few basic classes that are pre-recorded that are downloads like reiki okay level that's good one. yeah so like reiki level one and intu- intuitive basic intuitive development connecting to spirit mm-hmm. those are like you could download them do it at your own pace but the one that i really love right now is a virtual class where it's four weeks and i teach it's level one reiki and level two it's timeline healing and merging soul retrieval um merkabas uh, and I love that you and I are both into into the Merkabas. They're so important. Yeah, you have a Merkaba on your third eye. I'm uh, yeah. watching it form. <laughs> yeah, I want well, activate it every day. So I love it when people can see it. I really do. Oh, because yeah. You can see some of the points. I saw yeah. all five points. You can see oh, some of the five cool. points. Uh, that's so amazing. If you, guys, if you guys look at her, her forehead, you can see the, the five points of the um, Star of David. That's so Merkaba. cool. Um, yeah, so it's, it's more of an intensive, it's like a beginner's intermediate and advanced course all in once, but I Mm. feel like people are ready for it. I feel like people are ready to learn and they are motivated. And so, you know, that's, that's a new, that's something new that I started offering about three months ago. Right, Um, right. So you're, you're teaching people how to connect to Christ consciousness within themselves, connection to source. And, and just to remind people, the word Christ in Buddhism is just another word for light. Okay, it's it's not a person. It's connecting to the light within you, yeah. <laughs> the higher light. Um, yeah. but so you, so you're teaching a lot of those consciousness teachings, and so please tell us some examples of what you're seeing in your students 
and their parents who are taking these courses, whether it be online or in person. I mean, can you give us some examples of what you're, what kind of growth you're seeing? Yeah. Oh my God. It's incredible. I mean, I get emails all the time from parents saying my child is night and day different than they were before the, the, the tools that, that you, they learned in the class or the session that you had and they, and they, after they talked to you, they felt that so uh, confident in themselves and mm -hmm. they relaxed and they felt really proud to be who they were as before they were, you know, very depressed and having, having anxiety, not really knowing what to do mm -hmm. um, on a drive. And so I'm seeing that. And then the parents are feeling a lot more relieved and more at mm -hmm. peace balance because of their children are doing better so it's this beautiful yin and, and yang and they're, mm -hmm. they're learning together so the children yeah. are up these parents because not all you know um i would say in the 70s and 80s and 90s a lot a lot of these children are born into indigo parent families right so they're pre-planned to come in to families that would be able to support them and that were more a open. little more open-minded not so secular yeah. yeah a little bit more and, and that was purposeful because then, you know, me, for example, I was raised by, uh, by parents who were very spiritual, very open. And so I, that was like normal to me. And so now as an adult, I, I was way more open and, and, and yeah. to all these things. Um, but then I, what I've, what I've been shown is that a lot of the children after 2000, they're not doing, they're, they're, they're still coming into spiritual high of highly evolved advanced or light worker parents, whatever you want to call them, the different things. But they're also being placed strategically. They're being dropped in to families that are not spiritual at all. And those are the ones that call me panicking because they see me on an interview and say, oh, my God, my son told me that he's, you know, um, archangels. I, in his I have empathy. I have empathy for those children in that kind of, kind of yeah. stuck, in, stuck in a lower lower vibe household uh, because yeah. they they go through a lot of secular um fear um mm -hmm. and limitations yeah so they, a lot of them do fall into addictions when they become teenagers too because of that yeah yeah and the idea is that they're here to open up their parents open them up and you know it works a lot of the time because i've mm -hmm. seen it you know i'll see the results of the parents saying you know i was closed off my whole life and then my child just opened me up and now they're having their massive spiritual awakenings and then they're good and then them and their children are growing together and evolving That's together good. and it's so beautiful. But then there are others that um, are, like you said, are, are their parents are not opening up and they are really struggling. And then they so they're shutting down numb and then they close that self, that side of them off. And then they mm -hmm. really struggle. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. For, so for, so how do you help the children who, um, let's say they accidentally pop in and, and see this episode or they find your materials somewhere and they come into those, um, those family uh, households that are very strict, very strange and not very open-minded, um, you know, to the higher nature of reality and a connection to Christ consciousness within themselves. So um, they, like, do you, do you often see them, you know, purchase an online course and kind of secretly do this stuff? I mean, I mean, how, how do you, how do they get the assistance and the guidance that they need when they're not getting it from their family household? Yeah. I mean, and you, you know, you know what it is, Von, a lot of the times is I will get it. This is good. This is going to sound crazy, but 
it is nothing the, crazy it's the children's aunt or and this happens a lot more than you think which actually surprised me i would say you know three out of ten people recently that reach out to me mm-hmm. it is a grandparent mm-hmm. of, of of these children and they recognize the uniqueness of them and they they see me talk about these children and they're like oh my god that's my grandson that's my granddaughter right. and then their issue is but my my daughter or my son is completely closed off and would never allow my ch- child to work with you or or that and so that becomes the issue um and i'm what's seeing what's the that- fear what's the fear there's got to be something for why they feel like this is they by doing this they're protecting their child from some unknown fear that they have what is the common fear that you see with these parents well you know it's these not, children it's not so much fear it's it's disbelief because we have it, we have been programmed and manipulated through our for, through schooling through television through marketing through every facet through music every facet of our life we have been programmed to be suppressive to be uh to listen to what we're told to not have a voice to and we and, and a lot of people become very disconnected from their soul. We have the mm-hmm. physical body, we have the beautiful life force energy, the soul. There's a disconnect here. So those those mm-hmm. people at some point during their life they got brought put down so many times or their vibration became so low right. lost connection with their soul. And so it's a disbelief. They don't actually believe in anything that I'm talking about. They don't think it's true. Or they're they've been so heavily ingrained in religion um that they uh that there there's a disbelief uh and a disconnect there because well my you know it doesn't say this in the bible so it can't be true or or you know my priest says that this is impossible or my rabbi you know and i hear that actually and um you know i'm not one to argue with these people my my journey is not about convincing anybody it's all about a resonance and discernment and if they resonate with what i'm saying then that's a beautiful thing but if they don't then i'm not in the journey to convince anybody that's just I, I don't want that burden so my hope is that i those children find me through another avenue or they get older and they they um they separate from that or i plant enough seeds that the parents at some point wake up and it does mm-hmm. it does it does you know sometimes it takes them a while i've had uh, grandparents reach out to me and say i really want my granddaughter to see you the mom won't let me and then I say, you know what, just give her space. You do what you can to influence this do- your granddaughter's life in any way you can positively love her, encourage her, support her. That's what's the b- best thing you can do right now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, nine months or a year later, I get a call and the mom's reaching out to me. I, I-, I want to talk to you. I'm ready for a session because something happened in her what life. What happened? What happened that triggered the change? There's usually well, something that triggers it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll have to think of an example specifically, but a majority of the time is they experience their own awakening somehow that has nothing to do with their child. Some mm. experience that they have in their life or the loss of somebody or um, uh, COVID, you know, was a big one for people. A lot of yeah. people in the last year. And I'll, so I would say, you know, the 50, fallback from COVID is the, the health, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. health uh, agenda. That woke up a lot. I can't tell you how many people have woken up in the last year mm-hmm. that have contacted me and they literally say in the email, I am newly woken up a year ago. I would have never talked to you. And so that there's a huge, there's a mass awakening happening right, right now. 
that is huge and pivotal to our evolution. So a lot of those parents are coming around, but uh, unfortunately it has nothing to do with their children. It has mm -hmm. something to do with their environment or their life that triggers it. And then they look back at their children and they're like, oh my gosh, because our children are our greatest teachers. If we just yeah. give them the opportunity to speak and we listen to what they have to say, because they have so much wisdom and so much knowledge that a lot of times you will be surprised by what comes out of their mouth or what they have yeah. to say or how well, they yeah, let me ask you about, about that in terms of the information that comes from the children, because you have to remember they are still children, so they need to know how to navigate um, the elements of society and reality to be able to to do what they want to do. So, um, you know, how, how do you how do you advise parents who? who have these children to listen to the information coming through, but then also guide the child a pathway that can work with the resources available so that they can create that into fruition, whatever yeah. that is that they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about, it's really all about, has a lot to do with uh, respect and um and uh, kind of like this equal balance between the two. And so, mm -hmm what I always tell people is, or what I, how I work with my children, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. I teach them. I I'm very loving, supportive, kind, and I encourage them to speak their mind. If they get it, if, if I say they can't do something, I will take the extra effort and explain to them exactly why uh, they can't do something. I give them choices instead of telling them what to do. I say, okay, you have the choice between A and B, which one would you prefer? So we need to mm -hmm. make them feel like they have some sort of a choice. They get gain right. from it. But then I also teach my children about respect and that I'm, you know, I know you're a beautiful, a lot of things to do in this life. And I know I have a lot to learn from you, but remember I am mommy in this life. You chose me to be your mom. So you have to le learn from me as well. And so let me please guide you and support you. And there are times where we're not going to agree about certain things, mm -hmm. but um, so it's a, it's a conversation. You know, when my son was um, my middle one again was, um, Gosh, he was like two or three years old and he was mm. really having a hard time. I mean, it mm. terrible. He was like throwing things and, and I connected to yeah. his parents. I said, what is going on with you? And, you know, he admitted to me that he just really was struggling. He did not like being a toddler. He did it. He want, he, he just was really struggling. He said, I, I mm. don't like this. Um, and he said, please don't talk to me like I'm a child. Cause I said, what, what can I do? And he said, don't yell at me and don't talk to me. Like, don't talk down to me. Like I'm a child. I'm not a child. I am in the moment. Uh, and I understand that, but please don't talk to me that way. And I stopped and, and things worked out better where I, I got into their level, his level or their level. And I have a conversation and I, ex I take the time to explain myself to them. Mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it, It's all about uh, just like you would take the time to explain to your spouse or your friend or your teacher or, or confidant about your perspective on a certain situation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's about allowing them the opportunity to do the same thing with boundaries. So it's all about respect, mutual respect, yep. love, support, boundaries. Um, so, you know, allowing them, so allowing them the opportunity to speak their mind and they know that is going to prevent them from breaking down and screaming yeah. and alternatively saying something they don't mean, throwing a toy across the room, doing something bad. If you had just stopped it before that and given them, right. okay. Go ahead, Skylar, speak. What, what, what is, what, what, you don't agree with me? Tell me what's, what you think. Mm -hmm. Because that's all they want. They just want to feel like they're respected because in their mind, they know in a higher consciousness 
that they are evolved, advanced souls with a lot of wisdom. Right. And we have to remind them, yes, you are, but you are a child in this life. So give me the mm-hmm. opportunity to gu- guide you yep. and, and teach you as well. Because I'm also on this earth right now, long in this life, longer than you. I have experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's there's a give and take there. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the and that's and that's the thing is that um, their conscious sometimes their consciousness like you know like we all you you heard the phrase old soul like an old man or old lady in the <laughs> in a baby's body you know all these different cute little um, concepts but at the end of the day they are still children and so they they don't necessarily know that it's you know there are some things that you need the parents to um, guide you on like look both ways before you cross the street um like don't just go to every single dog because not every single dog is going to be friendly they might nip you nip at you and scratch you in the face um even the puppy so i mean those kind of nuances about our current reality that they naively don't understand because they are still children so there is quite a bit of parenting involved with these children so, you, yeah. so um, medicating like crazy or just putting them in timeout like crazy is just going to aggravate and blow up at you. Yeah. Because it is a continual parenting process. It's, yeah. So they, they do require um, the utmost parenting because mm-hmm. they are so, they are very, very um, light years ahead in their consciousness but they just don't realize exactly that you're still in these little bodies and there's still some elements of parenting and um, guidance that you need as well so you don't hurt yourself or get everybody else in trouble you know yeah so we're we're talking really about discernment and boundaries two of my favorite topics in buddhism is discernment and boundaries so with these children having six senses or learning um different abilities through your school or just coming to it on their own discernment and boundaries is a fundamental concept so how do you teach these children and their parents about discernment and boundaries because uh they can until it becomes common day they can kind of freak some people out yes they can yeah I, you know, and it's funny you say that because discernment is one of the biggest things I'm teaching right now to the adults, not even just the children, because we've been so disconnected from ourselves that we are, we don't know what our truth is. We can't Mm -hmm. tap into our higher awareness, our intuition to that really is that part of us that knows what's right and wrong for you. And so, um, and we're not, our radars are off. We don't know that we're in a relationship with a bad person that that's, that's going to manipulate and harm you. And and so that, that, or, or that politician or that teacher or someone in your life may not have your best interests at heart. And you're not, if you don't have that judgment or that discernment to recognize the signs, mm-hmm. then you are going to be, um, you're going to have a difficult time. And so right now, the most important aspect of living and ascension and evolving is reconnecting people with their higher guidance system so that they mm-hmm. have the ability to use discernment in every aspect of life. In anything right. that we do, we need to use discernment. Um, and so whether or not, you know, we feel funny about going out on the highway today, you know, maybe there's an accident that uh, your higher self is trying to say, Hey, don't go that way. Or because you you can, doesn't mean you should. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Listen, listen, we are, we're trying to, there's, there's a sign, there's a signal trying to come to you. And Mm -hmm. if we're in a low vibration, we don't have discernment. It's not possible. We're disconnected. Yeah. And so I, for children, I try to teach, um, that, 
that in a more simplified way because that's confusing to them. They don't understand. So I really try to do and convince or not convince, guide parents to give their children activities that will connect to their higher guidance system. So then they will have more discernment. So it's about grounding them, having them go outside, be back in nature, uh, you know, play with crystals, play with the dirt, go with it, play with it. if you're not allergic, pet animals, um, you know, doing creative art projects, yeah. all of things that will ground and balance you will create a higher frequency will connect you to your higher self and these children will have the discernment because as a result of that they don't have to try well let me ask you this this is really hard it's, it's great to discern you know certain things that could be harmful but um, people are the hardest thing to, to have discernment and boundaries on and there's a lot of psychics mediums channelers and gurus who kind of they, they navigate to these children and they kind of use them as a freak show aspect, you know, like, oh, look what I found, check this out, whatever. Um, and it usually doesn't turn out well in the, in the, in the long term because um, they're just regular people living their life. They just happen to have some um, extrasensory abilities that they brought with them from, from whatever dimension they had previously incarnated from. But how do parents discern and teach the ch these children to discern people who are of integrity as compared to people who may be misguided or manipulate or use them. Yeah. You know, it's the one hardest has, one. It is the hardest one, but I will say that the kids have the easiest ability to do that. And the mm. reason is because they can tap into energy. They read energy and they're very easily and they're human lie detectors. They know mm. when a person is lying to them. They know if a if somebody walks in the room that is not in a high vibration that is angry or upset, they that there's a ripple effect of the vibration that that person right. gives off that goes into this child's energy field and they feel it immediately. I had a, I did a session recently when the little child, uh, this child told me, please tell my parents that if I'm in a situation where I tell them I'm uncomfortable with a person, that that please don't make me be nice to them. Don't make me go and sit with them. Don't make me because I am. I am trying to articulate to them that there's a reason they make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was so wisdom filled and it made so much sense. And when I explained it to, to the mom, she almost started to cry because she said, I do that. You know, I, we were so taught to respect your elders. And so she would say, stop, you know, stop being like that. Go, go talk to, you know, go talk to that man or don't be shy, be nice. And, it, and, and the child was uncomfortable for a reason, you know, and, and we have to pay attention to those signs mm -hmm. because children do have a lot more discernment when it has to do with people than more than actually other things. Right. Um, right. Be able to read energy of other people. Um, and so just like animals, you know, they're, the animals are, are, are able to tap into that higher awareness as well. That's why animals know immediately if they feel comfortable with someone or they don't. But mm -hmm. you know, as they get older, then they have more intuitive abilities to understand it more. So if you're two-year-old and you are forced to be around someone that makes you uncomfortable, they're going to show you this in weird mannerisms like hiding behind mom's leg or not talking, you mm -hmm. know, because they don't really have the voice yet. They don't know what to say. Yeah, so they don't have the talk tracks. Yeah, exactly. Talk. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the talk tracks. But then maybe you the same same thing happens, and then the, the, the girl is now ten years old, and so she's gonna she's gonna start saying certain things, and then mm -hmm. the mom's gonna be like, "Stop being rude. You know, don't be rude. Don't talk like that." And and again, maybe not the right way to say it, but at least she's coming up with the words. And and you see, as they evolve and they mature, they right. have a better way of articulating it. And if they feel supported young at a young age 
and then the, and the, the parents are fostering that ability for them to understand, recognize, and also trust yeah. their intuition. Yeah. Your children should be, you should be talking to them early on and um, have a conversation. I recommend this for all parents and all adults who engage with children is to have conversations. Um, just pick up what you do, how's your day? Can you, you know, explain that, whatever. But, you know, um, they should they should be comfortable coming to you and saying, can I talk to you about something? Like, sure, what's, what's going on? Can I show you something? Sure, show me, you know, those kind of things. Um, and they should be comfortable in doing that. Uh, if they're not comfortable in doing that, then um, you have a communication problem um, and, and then you need to work on that because what you're expressing and explaining is what I call conditioning. Mm -hmm. you, you know, from early on, we have conditioned um, children to be a certain way because we think this is what it's been like, we think this is how they're supposed to be. And then we condition them so much into a certain way of expressing themselves which is non-expressive. And then all of a sudden, when they become adult, they need to be able to find their voice. Yep. And they have a closed throat chakra and they don't have a voice and they they uh, have a really hard time speaking their mind yeah. about anything, just about anything. Most women have thyroid issues as adults. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you know, we have to really understand that you do this in in every little single little way on a constant basis with children is you are conditioning them to be a certain way when they become adults. And then you wonder why they are not meeting up to certain standards. Um, like, why can't you speak in public? Why can't you express yourself clearly? Why can't you just say no when you don't want to? You know, I mean, these, these things that many people have struggle as adults to do, and it's because of that conditioning of behavior that they have learned from their family, their friends, society, all yeah. growing up that have fueled a certain behavior in their personality. And now they wonder why it's so hard for them to do what they want to do or to say what they want to say or to not do what they don't want to do. So um, that's an exercise for parents is to catch yourself when you start throwing a little penny of certain conditioning um, into the in, into the the bucket, and designing the per, the child's personality around certain themes. So I hope um, people are really listening to what you're saying, Sherry, because um, what you're saying is from early on we are conditioning children not to speak up, yeah, and not to speak their truth, and then wondering why they struggle later on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And my biggest advice, if this is the last thing I say tonight and the, and the, the, the most important thing parents pick up uh, and I, and I teach this and I all the time to the, to the parents that I work with, do not um, punish your child for doing something that, um, how would I say this? For doing something that you would have done differently. We mm. cannot, we cannot put ourselves in our children's shoes and judge them based on what we would have done in that situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're a 30, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old person. You have a lot of life experience. So of course you would have made a different decision. It's almost as if people forget what it's like to be a child. Yep. And I'll tell you, Vaughn, I'm a 40 year old woman and I still know how, how it is exactly. I have a 16 year old son. I tell him all the time, Jordan, I know how it, I trust me. I know mm -hmm. 
more about how it is to be a 16 year old than a 40 year old. I understand everything you're going through. My my six year old, my uh, my eight year old, my six year old. I understand what it's yeah. like to be in that position. I have not forgotten that. So yeah. I so I would never judge them on on what they do based on what I think they should have done because it's not my journey. It's theirs. And that's the biggest issue that parents struggle with is they judge them on what they think they should have done. And mm-hmm. we can't, we have to stop that right now. Yeah. We have to encourage them to make their own life choices, their own decisions. Yeah. And, if, and if it's different than what you would want, that is okay. Yeah. Well, the parents have been conditioned as well from okay. their upbringings and that's where it came from. You know, why didn't you get the the college education, why didn't you buy the house at this time? Why didn't you get married to that person? Why, you know, I mean, there's a whole, there's a picture yeah. that people have been been sold as part of their upbringing and their conditioning that they just unconsciously are passing on to the next generation. And this generation doesn't fall into that bucket. Um, you know, with regards to the courses that you offer online and in person at your wellness center for parents and for children, energy healing is the most popular one. Um, and it's so relevant right now because, um, you know, we kind of have a sickly population and we'll probably get some more um, in the near future. So how would these children apply energy healing to a sickly population in the next decade? You mean to take care of themselves or to help with others? Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Reiki should be taught in elementary school as a basic mm. education along with you know uh, health you know health mm. science or whatever they call it these days yeah um, because they know innately what it is how to use it and our our um our medical industry is shifting and changing as well yeah. so uh, primary medicine will be holistic acupuncture herbal medicine energy healing all of that will become primary it will reverse and all the other stuff is going to become secondary. And so these children, uh, knowing that early on is going to help them so much because that's the direction that we're headed. And a lot right. of these children, what I've been told, um, especially divine children and the newer ones that are coming in after 2000 and, um, 2019, 18, 19, they don't, they're not going to respond to a lot of the pharmaceuticals or the current medical treatments. So right. these people are going to have no choice but to seek an alternative method of healing, mm-hmm. acupuncture, whatever, energy healing. Like last they- resource. Energy healing is always the last resource for yeah, some reason. Exactly. Knock, and, knock. Yeah. And that's changing. And so it, these children are inspiring their parents to actually look into it and, and they pick it up so easily. So yeah. it helps themselves because Reiki can do so many things. It can help them with stress, anxiety, help them sleep help them when during their hormonal, like teen, mm-hmm. uncomfortable eight years, yeah. uh, helps them with focus, balance, drive, ground, it grounds you. I mean, you name it, Reiki does it. What else yeah. out there does that? There isn't anything else that yeah. does. That. So them learning it at a young age, their parents, I used to, te- I used to be real big on teaching all new parents Reiki. Like every parent should know because it will help those colicky kids, the baby, the children that are having trouble sleeping, the colic, all the adjustments that their body's having to, to be, to be, to live, right. To, mm-hmm. to, to thrive, right. you know, so it, it helps everybody in all facets of life. And so that's really where I feel like it's going. So they should be, everybody should be learning Reiki for free in school, starting at a young age so that they already know at a young age how to heal themselves. It, yeah. It, 
It is a no-brainer. Everybody should know how to do energy healing on themselves, on pets. Pets to start the pets is the easy one for children. They do the pets. Yeah. And then, you know, and then people. But um, it is a very, very helpful thing. And you know what that is? That's based energy healing is quantum healing. And that energy, that higher frequency, higher wave energy comes from the light within. It comes from source. So all, all of our molecules, um, they've already proven in, in science that all of the human atoms and molecules basically are wave patterns of light that um, create form. And so if you want to influence it, you change the, the signal um, that it is receiving. Hence, you go into a higher frequency. So like energy frequency. And this, they're starting to study this in um, medicine where they, um, they do energy frequency and sound waves and so forth into um, human cells and into different groups of um, patients or clients that are ill for different things and seeing a lot of positive results from that. But basically, it's energy healing. It's source doing the healing through the conduit. And, um, and it's a great thing that the children are learning and comes natural to them. So when they're doing this with your school, do you organize field trips and group excursions? Oh, gosh. That is, no, I don't yet, but that is right in line with kind of my my uh, manifesting for the future because I have t uh, talked to a lot of people that live all over the all over the country and actually even outside of the country mm -hmm. who heard me say on a podcast that I would love to create spiritual retreats for these children and they're and they're like I have a horse farm or I'm in Ecuador I have a spiritual center I'd love to have right. kids that is where I would love to go I just it's I haven't got a family vacation a family excursion yeah, that's that's exactly what I have envisioned as as kind of the yeah. steps, but I don't offer it as of yet, but it, it will be coming, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's going to be so much fun because you know a lot of families are looking for for family vacations that they can go to, um, and if you have like uh, like this week we're going to go to Ecuador in this horse ranch, and then we're going to these are the workshops that we're going to do along with these family excursions, and you know yada yada yada, and you offer them. Um, yeah. A lot of people will love that where they can take their child uh, and go on a family trip and learn something new that benefits them all. So yes. I see that in your near future too. And that's going to be a fun one. I think that's where you were intended to go in the beginning. I you had so. to, you had to build up the basics to get there, but you'll get there. It's going to be fun. Um, so do you have a last message for the builders of fifth dimension earth and above? Oh man, you know, don't give up, you know, uh, be yourself. Don't conform to society's norms. You know, you are unique. You're the way you are for a reason. Uh, follow your passions and find peace within yourself. And you, your light is so bright that just visualize how much you are affecting the world in a positive way. And the brighter your light is, the more people that you can affect. And, and that's such a beautiful thing. It's just, you know, keep going. Don't give up. Uh, have faith in yourself and, uh, and don't let anyone dim your light ever. Don't ever let anybody dim your light. Yeah. Yeah. Very, 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 very good last message. Well, Sherry, thank you for opening a holistic healing center for parents and their children to learn about all these wonderful healing modalities and consciousness teachings. So for more information about the Divinely Guided Children Center's books, 
offerings, and courses, either in person and online, please visit their website, which is divinelyguidedchildren.com. And thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.